Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Once upon a time, there was a woman married to an annoying man named Steve. (laughs) He would complain about everything. One day, he went to their creek with his mule. He complained so much that the mule got annoyed and kicked him to death. (laughs) At the funeral, when all the men walked by Steve's wife, she solemnly shook her head, yes. And every time the women walked by, she shook her head, no. And so the minister asked her afterwards, why were you shaking your head yes for men and no for women? Her response was, the men would say how sorry they felt for me, and I was saying, yes, I'll be all right. When the women walked by, they were asking if the mule was for sale. (laughs) You'll see why I told that joke in a moment, and then maybe you'll forgive me. I don't know. It's up to you. Last week, we started a series called The Blessed Life. Say The Blessed Life. Come on, say it again. Say The Blessed Life. The blessed life, how Jesus defines happiness. And so we're taking some time to study the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the most important sermon that was ever preached. And we're focused on this topic because we want to be like Jesus. We want to know Jesus. We want to think like Him. We want to act like Him. We want to live like Him. We want to talk like Him. And And so these are some of the most important words that Jesus preached. And so we need to understand and embrace what they mean in our lives. Each of the Beatitudes begins with the word blessed, which is what the the word Beatitude actually means. It's a Latin word, but it begins with the word, these statements begin with the word blessed. In the Greek, in the original language, it's makarios, makarios, which could also be translated happy. But Jesus is is talking uh, about not anything that has to do with external circumstances or with possessions. He's talking about internal joy that the world can't give you and that circumstances cannot change. In other words, he's talking about what's happening inside your heart. That we can have God's joy in us no matter what is happening. So in that way, it's different than how you normally think of happiness. It has a a, a deeper meaning. And so Jesus talks about how to live a blessed and how to live a happy life. And what he teaches us is completely countercultural. I mean, 2,000 years later, it is still maybe even in some ways more revolutionary and countercultural than what the world teaches us. And it's even... uh, paradoxical or countercultural to what religion teaches us as well. Today we're going to look at the second beatitude, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. You can open up your Bible if you want, or you can follow along on the screen. Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Would you say that with me? Let's say it together. Ready? Go. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's say it one more time. Ready, go. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
I want you to think about that statement for a moment. <laughs> think about what, what is Jesus actually saying here? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Is, is he saying the way to be happy is to be sad? Of all the Beatitudes, this, I think, is maybe the strangest, maybe the most difficult, and maybe the most challenging one to actually embrace and live out in our lives. What is Jesus talking about here? Jesus is teaching us that God shows up in unique ways when we have bad days, when we're going through tough times, when we're in pain, when we're suffering, when we go through loss, when we're in grief, when we're mourning, God will meet us in a special way and he will comfort us. The word comforted in the Greek is parakaleo, which is a very similar word to the Greek word parakletos, which is the word that Jesus uses in John chapters 14, 15, and 16 when he is talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling his disciples, he's teaching them, he's saying, men, he said, it's a good thing that I'm going away, that I'm going to my Father. He tells the disciples, they don't understand it at the time, but it's a good thing that I'm going away because when I go away, I will send you the parakletos, I will send you the Holy Spirit. That, that word that Jesus uses means one who is called to your side to comfort you and to help you and to counsel you and to intercede on your behalf. How many of you know, I hope, I hope you know, if you don't, hopefully you will, the Holy Spirit is exactly that in our lives. He is the comforter. In other words, we could explain Matthew Chapter 5, verse 4, we could ex explain this beatitude like this and kind of filling it in a little bit, if you will. There is happiness even in difficult days because we will experience the provision, purpose, peace, power, and presence of God. Well, if I want to say it a little bit differently... When, when we are grieving, when we are in pain, when we are mourning, God draws us close to himself. If I can say it like this, there is, there is a dimension, there is a part of God that you will never experience until you go through pain. Until you need to be comforted, until you mourn. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I have. When you mourn, sometimes you might feel like God is a million miles away. Men and women, he's closer than you can imagine. He, he's, I would, the Bible says he's closer to you than he's ever been. What you feel and what is real are often not the same thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, our hearts ache, Paul writes, our hearts ache but at the same time, we have the joy of the Lord. You think, why is that? Because we have Jesus. <laughs> because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you're on your own. And like Pastor Christian said a minute ago, God never intended for you to go through life on your own. And he especially did not intend for you to go through pain on your own. Listen to what Isaiah says, Isaiah chapter 61. This is a prophetic passage about Jesus, about the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. It 
says this, and Jesus actually quotes this in Luke chapter 6. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Sorry, Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to what? What does it say? Come on, it says what? To heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Skip down. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. This is amazing. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Somebody say amen. That's good news right there. Jesus fulfilled all that. Jesus does all of that. The word mourn means, in, in, in the passage we just read, Matthew 5, 4, it means to experience sadness or grief as the result of depressing circumstances or the condition of persons. And we all understand that. Often, often we mourn because of loss. Of course, lo- losing a loved one, but grief and mourning is not just for funerals. There, there are countless, I mean thousands, tens of thousands of different types of loss in our life, and some of them are just more significant and more painful. It might be the loss of a marriage, the loss of a job, that could be the loss of a house, the loss of, of wealth or, or financial security, that could be the loss of, of your health, the loss of time. It could even just be the loss of children moving out of your house. I mean, I know people, and become empty nesters, and that's actually can be a, a kind of a sad, painful thing for some people. <laughs> if you're a Raiders fan, it's a loss of a lot of football games. <laughs> this beatitude goes against our, our human nature and even some of our theology because we all want to live perfect lives. <laughs> I don't know anybody that likes loss. We all hate, hate loss. It's tough. It's painful. We We don't want to go through sorrow and suffering, defeats and disappointments, trials and tribulations, problems and pressures. The truth is everything in our world is broken because of sin. Everything is. All of creation is. Every part of it is. And certainly including our own lives. Nothing is perfect in this world and it never will be. Which is why Jesus was perfect on our behalf. And why heaven is perfect. When you're in pain, when you suffer, when you experience loss, this beatitude becomes meaningful and real. <laughs> when, I, when I read words like this in the scripture now, these words carry weight in my heart more than they ever have. And I've talked about it, you know, and some of you guys know that it's been, you know, but my dad died on February 20th of, of last year, and, and I, I, you know, just being transparent, I, I think that I'm still on this journey, and I think I'm a lot farther along than I was initially, but I think I'm still on this journey of, of grief and mourning. In fact, I've, I've kind of laughing at myself, you know, preached on it a lot this year, but you, you know, you, you preach on sometimes things that you're going through. Sometimes, by the way, men and women, sometimes you're a wounded healer, because if you wait until, you know, Everything, all the ducks are lined up and your life is perfect. You ain't going to ever do anything for the Lord, by the way. He uses broken vessels that are willing. But the Lord is healing my broken heart and He is comforting me in my mourning. And He is giving me happiness and joy even in difficult days. 
And I've seen his provision. I feel like he's using me for his purposes. I've received his peace in my life in a way that passes understanding. I've experienced his power. And I've been overwhelmed many times at his awesome love and his presence. That's what it means. Jesus wants to bless you when you mourn. None of us want to go through it, but we do. And he wants to bless us. But you have to trust him and embrace his ways and remind yourself that God's ways are always better. Not always easier, but they're always better. Let, let, me, let me quickly give, I say quickly, I don't ever know how quick it's going to be, especially on Saturday night. Maybe, <laughs> let, me, let me give you three misconceptions about pain and suffering. I have a couple of different sets of things that I'm going to do here, but this is the first one. Number one, here's a misconception. We think bad things shouldn't happen to good people. <laughs> How many times have you heard that or heard somebody say that or you've thought that yourself? We think things like this. God, I pray and I go to church even on Saturday nights and I tithe and I serve and I give and I read my Bible. This isn't supposed to happen. Some of us have a have an everything is supposed to work out for me all the time kind of theology. <laughs> I hate to be the one to break it to you, but that ain't biblical. That's not biblical theology. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in the Amplified Version, sometimes I call it the women's translation because it adds a lot of extra words. <laughs> I haven't used that joke in a while, but sorry, it came out of my heart. I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you have, listen, you have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. Some people think, well, God isn't fair. You ought to be thankful that he isn't fair. Fair is getting what you deserve, men and women. God isn't fair. If he was, you'd have to pay for your own sin, and so would I. I'm thankful that he isn't fair. Here's another misconception. Number two, we think pain always means there's something wrong. We think pain always means there's something wrong. When we go through something bad, we go through pain, we think, what did I do? God, are you mad at me? Are you punishing me? What's going on here? Listen, let's be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we go through pain because we make bad choices. We make bad decisions. We rebel against God. We go our own way. We choose to sin. And there's bad consequences for bad choices. Galatians 6, uh, verses 7 and 8. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So sometimes we make bad decisions. But listen, sometimes stuff just happens. <laughs> sometimes you just have a bad day or a bad week. You know, it ain't nothing because of anything that you did. It's just life. Reminds me of a true story about a man in Florida. Anytime a story begins with a man in Florida, you know it's about to be good, right? True story about a man in Florida. In 1972, he was working on his motorcycle in his outdoor patio. When the motorcycle kicked into gear while he was holding on to it, 
and it shot him right through the glass patio door into the living room of his house. His wife heard the crash and found her husband lying there cut and bleeding, and so she called the paramedics, and, and since they lived on a hill, she ran down the steps to tell him what had happened, and then they took him to the hospital. Well, while he was at the hospital, she decided to clean up the mess, and there was glass and gas everywhere, so she got some towels and blotted up the gasoline, and then she threw the towels in the toilet. The husband was treated from the hospital and then released, and when he came home and he saw broken, shattered glass patio and his broken motorcycle, he became despondent and went into the bathroom, sat on the toilet and smoked a cigarette. After finishing the cigarette, (laughs) he flipped it between his legs. And then, of course, the wife heard the explosion, and when she went into the bathroom, her husband's pants were blown off, and parts of his body that I won't mention were burned all over. So his wife again picked up the phone and called the ambulance. The same paramedics came that had taken him hours before. They put him on a stretcher and went down the steps, and while they were walking down the steps, they were asking the wife what had happened. How in the world did this happen? Well, as she began telling them, they started laughing so hard that one of them tipped his end of the stretcher, dumping the badly injured man who fell and broke his arm. Come on, somebody, now that's a bad day. (laughs) James chapter 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed. Would you say that with me? Say fully developed. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. We actually just preached a series on James recently. In fact, I preached on that passage on July 9th and 10th. My message was called A Faith that works when life doesn't. But mature believers, mature Christians, know that God is up to something. That in any and every situation, no matter what happens, no matter what is going on, that that God is working. And God didn't create the bad, the pain, and the suffering, but He is using it for your good. Somebody ought to say amen. He didn't create it, but he is using it. The Bible says God is not the author of evil. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. God is good, and everything he does in our lives is for our good. So Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I think if if we were writing the Bible, rewriting it, or if we were preaching the Beatitudes, we probably would say something different, something like this. Blessed are those who never mourn, for they shall be comfortable. (laughs) That's not how it is. God is our comforter, but He's also our developer. And He's developing you, and He's far more interested in your character than your comfort. And by the way, before you, you uh, get upset with God or judge God and say, that's not fair. If you're a parent, you do the same thing. Yep. 
tomorrow morning, Monday morning, or actually, I guess today, today's Saturday, but on Monday morning, if you have kids, you're going you're gonna to go into their room early in the morning, and you're not, you're not going to go in there and do this. Hey, hey, Cohen, good morning, son. It's Monday. Would you like to go to school today, or would you just like to stay home and play video games and eat Flaming Hot Cheetos all day? The choice is yours. Whatever makes you happy, son. No, you don't do that. Not if you're a good parent, you don't do that. Because good parents know what their kids need. Come on. And even when their kids don't want it, good parents still do what's good for them. And it's good for your kids to get their butt out of bed and go to school and learn. Come on, somebody say amen. The third misconception about pain and suffering is that we think we know what's best. (laughs) So we instruct God and tell him, God, you're doing this all wrong. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Apparently, you haven't heard my prayer every day for the last week or the last month or the last several months because you're not doing what I asked you to do. Some of you ladies had a crush on a guy when you were in high school and you prayed some sort of prayer like, Lord, I want him. Lord, if you just give him to me, Jesus. I will go wherever you send me. And now 20 years later, you see that same guy on social media and you say, Lord, thank you for not giving him to me. Come on, somebody. Because God knows what's best for you. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Mature people who go from mourning to comfort, they know and they believe this because they know and they believe God. In other words, they trust God and they trust His Word. One of the most difficult things as a a pastor is, is ministering to a family that's lost a loved one. And especially if they've lost somebody who's young. But, but don't you always feel like no matter who it is, even if it's your grandma or your grandpa is still too young, you wish you had more time, but especially if they're, you know, young adult or a teenager. Listen to what Scripture says, Isaiah 57, verse 1. Good people pass away. The godly often die before their time. Listen to that statement right there. But no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. Men and women, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. There are a lot of things in life, and especially when it comes to the loss of a loved one. I I mean, I I see my friends out here. I know some of the pain at some level they've been been through. I, I don't have an answer for that. We don't understand. This side of eternity, we don't understand. It won't make sense. But I'm pretty confident, and I think this is what the Bible says, that someday when you stand before the Lord, when you stand face to face with God, you can ask Him whatever question you want, and whatever answer He gives you, you're going to say, that's exactly right. God, you're exactly right. And By the way, I think at that point, it ain't going to matter anyways. (laughs) Because you'll be in heaven with your loved one. And you're not even worried about that anymore. But you can ask. You'll have plenty of time. (laughs) His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts.
I want to talk, I want to talk about uh, the stages of, of, of healthy grief in, in a moment. But because all of us grieve and mourn, but we need to have the right perspective to receive God's comfort. And I want to say this, and, I, and I've, I'm learning this right now. Grief, grief is essential to my health. Grief is essential to my health. It is essential to your emotional health. It's essential to your spiritual health. It's essential to your, uh, to your physical health and your spiritual health and your mental health. If you're never sad about anything, it basically means one of three things. You're either out of touch with reality or you're out of touch with your own emotions and you're in denial or you just don't love. <laughs> and none of those are good. Crying and mourning, guys, and I tell you this, you know, I know we're all different, but crying and mourning is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of deep love. Shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. your memory verse for the week. Here you go. Two words. Some of you know it. Anybody know it? Jesus wept. Strongest man who ever lived. Jesus wept. He wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. He wept over Jerusalem. Grief is a painful emotion, but it's a necessary and healthy and helpful one because it's a tool that helps us get through difficult transitions in our lives. I love what Pastor Rick Warren says. He says, there is no growth in your life without change. There is no change without loss. There is no loss without pain. And there's no pain without grief. So maybe, maybe you're here. I'd say, I'm, I'm here right now. Maybe you are. If you're not, at some point you will be. I want to tell you the six stages of healthy grief. Number one is shock. It's when you first get the call. It's when you find out something tragic. And by the way, this is, this is dangerous if you're going through this alone, if you do this by yourself. Number two is, is sorrow. That's the sadness. It's crying. It's grieving. It's pain. It's mourning, which is not a bad stage. It's a normal stage, but it can it can become bad if you allow your sorrow to just completely overwhelm you because the enemy will use that and leverage that in your life to try to get you stuck and to try to debilitate you and damage your soul. Listen to what Isaiah 53 verse 3 says about Jesus. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. That is so powerful. Our King, our Savior, our God, He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with deepest grief. Men and women, there's no grief, there's no pain, there's no loss that you're going through right now that you've experienced that Jesus doesn't understand. He absolutely understands. He experienced all of that when He was here in the flesh. Number three is the, the third stage is struggle, which is where you wrestle with grief. You know, what's up with this? It's where you might get mad at God. You might get mad at other people. It's where bitterness and unforgiveness towards others can creep into your heart if you allow it to, by the way. Everyone usually goes through these first three stages. Almost everyone will go through these first three stages. I see Dr. Kevin Downing. Anytime I start talking like this, I'm always asking Dr. Downing, is this accurate what I'm saying? (laughs) Well, biblically accurate, I think. But everyone always goes through these first three stages, but, but a lot of people get stuck there and they don't move on to the next three, which is where we need to get to, men and women. Number four, number four is this, is surrender. It's surrender. It's when you say, God, I don't understand this and I don't even like it. And to be honest, I'm a little bit ticked off at you. God can handle it. 
I don't know what's going on, but I don't have any other choice than to trust you, than to put my faith in you, because I know that you, that you love me, and I know you're going to get me through this. Because you've done it before, you can do it again. When you're dealing with pain and grief in your life, listen, you can, you can repress it, you can repress it, you can stuff it down, which is basically unconsciously trying to block the pain out of your mind, out of your soul. You can suppress it, which is consciously, on purpose, trying to block it out of your mind. Basically making a decision, I don't want to deal with this pain, I'm just going to push it aside, I'm just going to ignore it. Both of those are denials and they're unhealthy. You don't want to do that. <laughs> or what, what we should do is we should express it. We, we, should, we should talk to people who can help us. We should go see a, a professional Christian counselor who can help us get out of being stuck. We, we express it. And listen, men and women, we confess it as well. And we talk to God about it, who is the only one who can truly, truly comfort us. Psalm 32, verse 3, listen to this. When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside me. I moaned all day long. Moaning is negative, by the way. It's throwing a pity party. And guess what? If you throw a pity party, the devil's the only one who shows up. So the party sucks. Moaning is, is negative. Listen, mourning is positive. Mourning is calling out to God in my pain and asking Him to comfort me. Here's the thought. You ought to write this down. If I don't let it out, I will act it out. If I don't talk it out, I will take it out. Here's, here's what I mean. If you don't surrender your pain and your grief to the Lord that you're going through or from your past, maybe it's from a divorce, maybe it's from abuse, maybe it's from you know, betrayal or, or the death of a loved one, loss of any kind, then it's going to keep you stuck in sorrow and you'll never be comforted. You're going to get stuck. Especially if you've lost a loved one, by the way, you don't get over it, you go through it. I wish I can tell you, you can just go around it, you can go under it, you can go over it. You don't get over stuff like that, you go through it. You go through the pain. And God walks that journey with you, Psalm 23, because he's the good shepherd. And by the way, if you know somebody who's grieving, it's not a nice thing to say, hey, just get over it. What you should do is you should walk through it with them and say, I'll be here by your side. I'm going to help you. If you refuse to go through it, then you'll get stuck. Number five, the, the fifth stage is sanctification. After you surrender, God says, okay, now I'm going to do a deep work inside your heart. Sanctification is, is the process of becoming like Jesus, becoming more and more like Jesus. And God uses grief to help us grow. He uses it to build our character. When you're in pain, you can either get bitter or you can get better. The choice is yours. And number six, men and women, is this, is service. We surrender. God begins to sanctify us. And then six stages is service. When you begin to use your pain to help someone else, which is redemptive pain. Pastor Rick Warren teaches this, and it's been so helpful to me, is this, my greatest ministry will come out of my deepest hurt. Your greatest ministry will come out of your deepest pain because what the devil tries to use to break you, God uses to make you. And he uses it for his glory. Romans 8, 28, that's what it says. Because you can relate to people in a way that nobody else can. 
If you've battled the demons of alcohol and God's delivered you, you can help somebody else. If you've been through the, the pain of a divorce, you know what that's like. You can help somebody else. If you've struggled with infertility and, and you know, not getting pregnant month after month, year after year, you could help somebody else who's going through that journey. If you've lost a young child, then God wants to use you to help somebody else and minister to them in a powerful way. The Apostle Paul knew what it was like to go through pain, <laughs> to suffer, to grieve, to mourn. It, read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 on your own. What Paul went through is, inc- is absolutely incredible. And he suffered all for the sake of Christ. And he writes this in, in earlier in, in the letter in chapter 1. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Anybody catch on to a word right there in that passage? (laughs) We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. Some, Some scholars, by the way, think that Paul at one point, that's a reference to maybe he was suicidal. I don't know. But in fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to, listen to this, and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Somebody say amen. Man, that's encouraging. Uh, I will give these to you quickly, all right? Three ways to receive God's comfort. Somebody come out and start playing behind me so I can't preach long. Number one, refocus on what's happening in me, not to me. Refocus on what's happening in me, not to me. When you're in pain and you're mourning, take a breath and remind yourself, if something is happening to me, then God wants to do something in me. He's developing your character. He's growing you spiritually. Paul says this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Listen, my pain is either a jail that will imprison me or a school that will shape me. That was good. I don't know if you caught that. That was worth coming just for tonight. I didn't, it's, it's not original to me, so I don't take credit for it. But my pain is either a jail that will imprison me or a school that will shape me. The choice is yours. The choice is up to you. Number two, rely on God who always delivers me. God always comes through. Another, another translation of verse 10 says, He has delivered us. He will deliver us again. And He will continue to deliver us. He has. He will. He will continue. The best predictor of God's present help is His past faithfulness. If He did it before, He can do it again. There's an old show. It's about 20 years old now. It was my favorite show at the time called 24. I don't know if anybody watched 24, starring Keeper Sutherland, Jack Bauer. It's my dad's favorite show. My dad's the one who got me into it. And this was before streaming services, when you had to, you know, if you wanted to binge watch something, you had to get DVDs. And my dad all, had all the DVDs. Well, Jenny and I started watching. 24 was about Jack Bauer, this, basically this, anti-terrorist agent or something and every episode 
Every episode, every single one ended with a cliffhanger. Jack Bauer was on the verge of death and the world was about to explode with a nuclear weapon or something. Every single one of them. And so, you know, you think, we'll just watch, we'll just watch an episode before we go to bed. You could not. They're like potato chips. You'd watch four, five, or six episodes. Next thing you knew, it was two in the morning and you're exhausted. The funny thing, the funny thing is all you had to do to know that Jack was alive was just look in the DVD box. Just look in the box at the last DVD because his picture was on there. You knew that somehow Jack Bauer lives and saves the world because there's another episode. Men and women, be reminded, all we need to do is look at the last DVD in the DVD box and be reminded that Jesus lives and he saved the world. Revelation 21, I heard a loud voice from the throne. It's the throne of heaven, by the way, saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. This life is not just all there is. This is just a warm-up act. We might get 80, 80, 90, 100 years of celebrated Joel Pasius' life this morning, 84 years old, great man of God. Men and women, uh, even 100 years compared to trillions upon trillions upon trillions of years in eternity is not a long time. We have the promise and the hope of heaven. This world is not our home. Heaven is our home. And if your hope is just in this world, you're, you're going you're gonna to be in pain. You're going to be in pain. But if you realize my hope is in heaven, you'll be able to endure. So even if God doesn't heal you from the illness that you're facing, or even if your child dies at an early age, or even if a loved one tragically dies in an accident, for those of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, God will deliver us from death and bring us into eternal life. The third way to receive God's comfort is you receive comfort from others. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. We've already said it. God didn't intend for any of us to go through life alone and especially to go through grief. And if you're doing it alone right now, men and women, you're carrying a burden that, that God did not intend you to create, which is why I think what Pastor said a minute ago, you ought to be part of a small group. You ought to be part of a connect group because healing comes in community. And every single one of us need a small group of men and women that are going to pray for us, that are going to encourage us, that are going to cry with us. They're going to bring a meal. You know, I think about the worst days of my life right after my dad died and I I had a small group, my connect group, that showed up, cried with me, and Pastor Chris and Pastor Julie and Dan and Mary 
Dr. Downing. You got to have friends that will comfort you. It's one of the ways you feel the comfort of God is through other people. We actually have a grief share group on Thursday nights. I heard Pastor Jim Schimmel, I think, just told me he, he went through that because he just lost his mom. Some of you ought to show up on Thursday nights and be part of that. Walk the journey together of, of healing and, and hope. And There's no reason to go through life on your own, especially grief and suffering. And if you do, as your pastor, I say this with love, you're just unwise, you're foolish. And maybe, maybe you're prideful if you think you don't need anybody. I don't know what else to call that other than pride. We all need people. We all need God's help. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. Close your eyes if you would. And uh, just, we'll do this fairly quickly, but just kind of for the sake of privacy. If you're in pain here tonight, if you're grieving or mourning over whatever the issue, the situation is, would you, would you just... Would you just raise your hand? You don't even need to open up your eyes. Would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you right now. Lift your hand up. Several hands in here tonight. Several hands. You could put your hands down. Father, I, I thank you for my friends here. Thank you for bringing them here tonight. Lord, you know what they're going through. You know the pain, suffering that they're facing right now. And Lord, I pray that in their mourning, that you would bless them, that you would comfort them. Pray that the joy and the peace of God through the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, come alongside them, fill them, give them strength in days that they don't want to get out of bed, feel overwhelmed. Lord, that you would speak to them. You would remind them of your great love. Overwhelm them with your grace and your kindness and your mercy. Bring other people into their lives if they don't have them, or even if they do, God, that just every day will encourage them to speak life and hope. Remind them, God, that heaven is their home and that you will see them through. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.